In the name of Jesus, amen. In today's gospel lesson, our dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ teaches us about money. He tells the story of a clever manager, a shrewd steward. His boss finds out that he's been wasting his money, so he tells the manager, that steward, to give an account of everything he's done and to look over the bookkeeping, seeing what money came, out, came in and what money went out. And so the manager, who is a terrible man, a thief, a liar, and a cheat, knows how to work money. He knows how to manipulate it, and he knows what money can do. So he goes out and he tells one man who owes his master a hundred measures of oil to write down 50. So this is all coming after he knows he's going to lose his job. He knows that the master is going to catch him and see all of the record keeping and see how he's squandered this money. So he goes and tells the one man, look, you owe a hundred measures of oil, write down 50. And then he goes to another man and says, look, you owe my master a hundred measures of wheat, knock it down to 80 and so on and so forth. And although it seems kind of random, uh, the numbers, in fact, he's cutting everyone's debt by the same monetary amount, 500 denarii. Soon, the man's going to be out of a job, and yet right before he's fired, he's clever enough to help, or to help people out and give them a discount. And by doing this, he makes friends in the process. In other words, he got those friends because he was clever with money and the little time he had left. And so when his master then finds out the inevitable and comes to fire him, even though he was cheated out of his money and lost a ton in the process, the master had to concede that this manager, this rascal, this scoundrel, was shrewd and clever and sharp-witted. So what's the point of this parable? What is Jesus saying? What is he teaching? Well, the point of, the, of Jesus' parable is quite simple. If the unrighteous, the unbeliever, the denier of God knows how to use money for his advantage, how much more should Christians know how to use money for, their, for, for the advantage of others? The unrighteous manager used money to make temporary friends. So you, dear Christians, should use money to make eternal friends. This is what the words mean when Jesus says, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, those friends, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. This is what Jesus is teaching us. That you need to know how to use your money better than even the unbeliever. And how so? Jesus isn't talking about being able to save money or hoard it up or invest it for greater returns and so on. He's not talking about being a good businessman and stacking your money so that you can live comfortably and have a life of leisure. He's talking about knowing what money is and what it's for. And Christians should know what money is and what it's for better than anyone else. Why? Because you have the Word of God. And what does God's Word teach us? It teaches us this. That you are not the master of anything. God is. What you have isn't yours. It belongs to God. The silver, the gold, 
the clothing and shoes, the food and drink, the house and home, your wife and children, your land, animals, and all that you have are not yours. They are God's. He created them all and they all belong to him. So no matter how much you have, at the end of your life, you can't take one of those things or any, any of those material things with you. Naked you've come into the world and naked you will depart. Everything belongs to God. And yet, he hasn't kept these things to himself. He's made you a manager, a steward of the things that he has given to you. Whether he's given you much to manage or just a little bit to manage, he's given it to you so that you manage it well, that you manage it according to his word. He's entrusted these things to you. He's chosen to give you these things, not because you earned them, not because you deserve them from him, but because he loves you. He's chosen to place these things into your hands only out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy. So God has showered these gifts and blessings upon you as a father does for his children because he has indeed become your father in Christ. The gospel shows you that the one who created you also sent his only begotten son to redeem you from sin and death, to make you precious in his sight. And for this reason, your life has purpose and meaning. No matter what your bank account says, or how much you have, or how big or small your house is, no matter how you feel. You haven't been put on this earth to live for yourself, to serve your own pleasure. Rather, God has placed you on this earth to be loved, and to love others as he has loved you first. So now that you know this, you know what life is all about. You know why to live this life, how to live it, and what the things in this life are for. You can put everything in its proper place under the God who created everything and who redeemed you to be his child and heir. And so you know that God hasn't given you whatever wealth you have simply so that you can eat, drink, and be merry before you go down to the grave. He's given you all of these things that you have because he cares for your needs. And by caring for your needs, he teaches you to care for the needs of others. So yes, it's important that people are clothed and fed and sheltered. But you already know what the greatest need of every man, woman, and child is. It's to hear the gospel, which sets Christ before us as our perfect righteousness. So God isn't calling us to be naive. He's pointing out the obvious truth in today's gospel lesson that money gets things done in this world. And God works through means. He heals your sicknesses through medicine. He removes cancer through surgeons. He, he gives you his body and blood through bread and wine. God works through means and money is simply another means that God works through. God uses the money and the wealth of his children to promote the preaching of the gospel. But it's not because he needs our money. He doesn't. He owns all of heaven and earth. Every beast of the field is his. Cattle on a thousand hills are his. The silver and gold already belong to him. So God doesn't need your money. Rather, God uses your money and wealth because he wants to strengthen your faith and teach you to value him above all the things and all the stuff you have. So God has ordained that you Christians, his children, wouldn't leave this life empty-handed. He's teaching you that the money you have in your hands is going to inevitably run out. 
It's going to fail and crumble and turn to dust. So don't cling to this money tightly because you can't take it with you. Rather, use this money to make friends for yourselves by the proclamation of the gospel. This, your children, your loved ones, your neighbor, these things you can take with you to eternity. So use the temporal things of this life to store up for yourself treasure in heaven. That is to bring others into the resurrection with you. God has entrusted this preaching of the gospel not to angels, but to sinful mortals who need daily bread to live. And God works through means, in which means he works through you to preach his gospel. In other words, if you want the gospel to be proclaimed, if you want the unborn children to hear it, if you want your own children to know the love of Christ and to be forgiven by him, to be made your eternal friends through baptism and the preaching of the word, then you support the mission of the church. You use your money to support the preaching of the gospel so that you have a place to come, so that your children have a font to be baptized in, so that you have bread and wine to be fed the body and blood of Christ, so that you can have a pastor to preach this word day in and day out. That you would give generously and put it in your will so that your last confession, even after death, is that you loved the gospel, that you love people, and that you want the entire world to hear about his forgiveness. But when you do this, don't do it because it's some sort of law. It's not. Jesus doesn't want a forced gift. And he doesn't want your money if you don't actually want to give it. The church will use it, of course, because it needs to balance a budget. But Jesus doesn't care a thing if you give out, it doesn't care at all when you give out of compulsion or out of guilt. He doesn't want unwilling giving. He rejects, in fact, such an offering because that offering comes from unbelief and untrust in God. So he won't take it. He doesn't need your money. Rather, he loves a cheerful giver. In other words, he loves those who give with joy in their heart because of faith in the word, knowing that God will provide whether you have money or not. He doesn't care how much you give He cares that your giving comes from faith in the wounds of Christ. That out of thankfulness and profound gratitude for all that Jesus has suffered for you. So if you give and when you give, give because you actually want to. If you truly believe the gospel, if you believe that these words and Christ's wounds are the most precious things in the world, then of course you will do what you can to keep this word in the pulpit and the word preached in your ears. So whether you're rich or poor or somewhere in between, if you find yourself clinging to money or worrying about getting more of it or dreaming about all the good times money gave you or all the good times money will give you, then hear Jesus' words later on in this gospel lesson when he says, no servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. So when the thought of letting go of your money to support the preaching of God's word seems like foolishness and completely unthinkable to you, then remember that it's simply because you trust in money more than God. When you can't seem to part ways with the gifts that God has given to you in supporting your neighbor and feeding and clothing them and supporting your church the word, where the word of God is preached, 
then that simply means that you're clinging more tightly to the temporal things of this life, which will fail you, than you are to the eternal word of God who makes himself yours. When you keep your account shut to, the, to support the word, that simply means that you don't really want that word as much as you let on. When you close your fist tightly on your wallet, your possessions, and your income, and refuse to share them with others in need, and refuse to share them with the church, that is simply a reflection of how tightly your heart clings to unrighteous wealth. But this law isn't preached for you to snoop around and see who's giving what and how much they're giving. This law is preached for you to examine your own heart and to see how much or little you really appreciate and are thankful for the gospel. Whenever you do this, remember that it's only because you're attempting to be the master of your own life. So for those of you who know how difficult it is to part ways with what you have, for those of you who feel your heart and fist close in on your money, repent and turn to Christ. When you want to keep these things to get what you want most in this life, repent and see that Jesus knew how to get what he wanted most, how to get the desire of his heart. And see that he got what he wanted most, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood through his bitter suffering and death. See how he spent his life to get you, to redeem you, to have you, so that you would belong to him and be his own. He used the very blood in his veins to forgive your sins, your sins of greed and selfishness, your sins of doubts and worry. See how he made you his eternal friend and how he's taken away your, your, how he has given you an eternal dwelling. So when you selfishly cling to, the, to your money more than to the preaching of God's word, repent and learn how Christ spared no expense to redeem you. And then learn to be thankful, thankful for his forgiveness and thankful for your neighbor who needs this just as much as you do. You have no need to dream of what you can buy on this earth because you've been given the riches of heaven, the very righteousness of Christ without charge. You belong to the God who owns everything and he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for your salvation to give you every good thing. So no matter how much you have in your account or pocket now, you are rich and you have a true wealth. You have the forgiveness of sins. When you repent of your sin, you in that moment have the joy and treasure of having a clean conscience before God, which is worth more than every treasure in this world. You have the joy of being able to come before your maker again and again and again with all of your faults and failures and to have him not turn you away because you plead the, the blood of Christ as your righteousness. You plead that he forgives you and restores you to be his child. So you have an eternal life with an eternal wealth and you have eternal friends. Those here around you who confess the same word who repent of the same sins, these will be your neighbors in the resurrection. So live your life on earth knowing that you are rich beyond measure through Christ, that you have a wealth that cannot be taken away, and manage the few temporal riches he gives you in this life well, serving one another, loving the preaching of the gospel, supporting it, so that you would be 
uh, with him forever. So make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Hear the word of this hymn. The world seeks after wealth and all that mammon offers, yet never is content, though gold should fill its coffers. I have a higher good, content with it I'll be. My Jesus is my wealth. What is the world to me? What is the world to me? My Jesus is my treasure, my life, my health, my wealth, my friend, my love, my pleasure, my joy, my crown, my all, my bliss eternally. Once more then I declare what is the world to me. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.